0: Bibles to Luke chapter 5. I want to remind all the women that next month we have a women's retreat. Amen. And um, I want to encourage all the women to come on out. We have so many fun things that are being planned for you. And the theme for our women's retreat is called The Divine Secrets of the Yahweh Sisterhood. Amen. Not the Yahya. That's an old movie, but the Yahweh sisterhood. And we've got so many things planned. And Sister Arlene is coming up, and she's going to be with us the whole weekend. So we've got a lot of things. Husbands, send your wives. Don't keep them home. Don't say, well, we can't afford it. You can afford to send them, because sometimes you just got to really do what you got to do to send them. You want a new wife? You want your kids to have a new mom? Send them to the retreat. Do whatever you got to do short of stealing, short of robbing. Send them. Amen? Okay, Luke chapter 5. We are on the eighth test of the nine tests that every Christian must face. And we have gone through a lot of tests, test of pride, the test of the wilderness, the test of uh, loneliness, all kinds of things. Now we're on the eighth test. We have one more test to go and that's next week. So... The lesson eight, this is called the frustration test. Frustration. What's frustrating? A cell phone. No. <laughs> Just kidding. Just kidding. Um, Luke chapter 5, and we're gonna start reading in verse 3. We're gonna read about a man who is frustrated. And it reads like this: stepping into one of the boats. Jesus asked Simon, its owner, to push it out into the water. So he sat in the boat and taught the crowds from there. When he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, now go out where it is deeper and let down your nets to catch some fish. Master, Simon replied, we have worked hard all last night and didn't catch a thing. But if you say so, I'll let the nets down again. And this time, their nets were so full of fish, they began to tear. A shout for help brought their partners in the other boat, and soon both boats were filled with fish and on the verge of sinking. When Simon Peter realized what had happened, he fell to his knees before Jesus and said, Oh Lord, please leave me. I'm too much of a sinner to be around you. For he was awestruck by the number of fish they had caught as were the others with him. His partners, James and John, the sons of Zebedee, were also amazed. Jesus replied to Simon, Don't be afraid. From now on, you will be fishing for people. Amen? Go ahead and have a seat. You know what I love about the Word of God? Is that it brings reality to us. Whatever and however we live, we can find something in the Word of God. And from these scriptures, we're able to see how Peter progressed from frustration to fullness. And this is a reminder of what Jesus can do for us. In today's society, there is so much frustration. Some of you came frustrated today. You are frustrated with your children, your spouse. You're frustrated with the traffic. You're just frustrated because traffic leads to road rage. That's really major frustration. Injustice leads to senseless acts. We're frustrated because we have fluctuating gas prices. One minute they're low, next minute they're high. Where the rising economy causes us to frustration, some people have lost their jobs, medical fees, all of these things, your rent, your mortgage, your percentage, all of those bring frustration into our lives. And in this scripture that we just read, Peter is frustrated. He had fished all night and caught nothing. My husband used to say he didn't even catch nuna tuna. Nothing. Not a grunion, not a goldfish, nothing. And the thing is, is that Jesus said, try it again. Have you ever been that frustrated before? man, you've been doing something all night long. This was a master fisherman. After he had been doing this all night long, he'd been fishing all night long. And Jesus says, launch out into the deep and let down your nets again. Now, I don't know if somebody's ever told you to continue doing something you've been doing. You've been doing this over and over and over and over. And then somebody who doesn't even know what you've been doing, they come by and they say, hey, why don't you do it again? You're like, oh. That's what he told Jesus. He goes, we've been doing this all night. All night. Now, some of you might understand how Peter felt. He was an accomplished fisherman who knew his job. In fact, he was a master fisherman. And even if you're a master fisherman, there's just some days the fish don't bite. Ever been out there when you're trying to fish? And you're out there. You get up at 2 o'clock in the morning. You're out there at 3 o'clock in the morning. You got all your gear. You got all your your, your hooks. You, you know, you got your bait. You're all excited. And you're out there, nothing. 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 And your family expects you to come back with a whole boatload of fish. You come home with nothing, except if you're smart, you might go buy some fish and then bring it home. (laughs) But it was just one of those days the fish were not biting. Everyone who has ever tried to accomplish something will face frustration. And the more effort we give in trying to accomplish something, the more the degree of frustration. If you've been trying and trying and trying to do something and you just can't get it done, your frustration is this much. But if you've only tried for a little bit, you're like, you're just that much frustrated. If you've only put a little effort, little frustration. Lot of effort, lot of money, lot of sacrifice, lot of strength, lot of frustration you got to understand the frustration in verse 5. Peter says, we worked hard all last night and didn't catch a thing. How many of you have ever stood up all night? Not on drugs, okay? There's there's staying up all night, and then there's staying up all night on drugs. Just staying up all night. When you're young, you think you can stay up all night, right? You have a pajama party, you have a bunch of guys over, and you're going to stay up all night. And you do, but... When do you start crashing? Like about four, five, for sure, six. When somebody comes and looks at you, you're all sprawled out. Everybody all over everybody. You're tired. And this is how Peter was. This was a man who fished all night. He was tired, he was sleepy, and he had nothing to show for his effort. He caught nothing. And when you, don't do, when you don't have anything to show for all your effort, you surely don't want to put more effort. You just want to stop. You don't want to do anything. So if somebody comes and say, it one more time, you're like, I've been doing this all night. I know what I'm doing. I'm a master here. I do this for a living. I go out there every day, every night. I'm out there. You're not out there. You're not a fisherman. I'm a fisherman. I know what I'm doing. This is my job. And all of those things were running through Peter's mind. And Jesus is saying, just do it again. And Peter is like, oh. You ever get like that? You just go, oh. Those are, those are like teenagers' faces. Ugh. When their parents go, go clean your room again. I already cleaned it. No, it's not clean. And then you go, and they come, okay, it's clean. And then you're, as a parent, you go, nope, it's not clean. Do it again. You're like, oh. Maybe it's just my kids. Yeah Okay. My, my kids, those were their faces. They would just look at me like, Ugh. But that's the kind of attitude that Peter had. He didn't want to do it again. He didn't want to put forth any more effort. He was tired. He even doubted. I mean, he had been doing this all night. And Jesus told him, do it again. And he doubted like, what? Just because he says, do it now, it's going to happen? Now after I put forth all this effort, now that I stood up all night, now that I'm tired, now that I'm sleeping, now it's going to happen? Let me let you know something. Before Jesus can change our frustration into fullness, we have to obey his instructions. As difficult, as hard as they are, we have to learn to obey his instructions. When he says, go outwards deeper and let down your nets to catch some fish, but I'm tired, go let down your nets. But I'm sleepy, go let down your nets. But I've already done that 50 times today, go let down your nets. You have to listen to his instruction because frustration is only a step toward accomplishing your goal. When you're frustrated, you can't just give up. You can't just say, forget it. You can't just say, I'm walking away. You can't just say, you know what, I'm done. I'm done. It's over. Because frustration comes and we all get like that. Our frustration is God's opportunity to teach us something. Because when we're frustrated, we've got to stay open to God's voice. Webster's Dictionary defines frustration like this, to break or interrupt, to defeat, to disappoint, to bring to nothing, as to frustrate a plan, a design, an attempt, or to frustrate a purpose. Frustration is an emotion that occurs in situations when we're blocked from reaching our goal. The more important the goal, the more the frustration. But let me let you know something. Life is full of frustrations. Your life is going to be full of frustrations. We have the minor frustration of losing your car keys. Anybody ever do that? Isn't that irritating? Don't you just want to like, you know? And and you're you're you you gotta go, and the clock is ticking, and and your kids are are screaming and everything's going wrong and you can't find your keys and then they say mom can't stop it just leave me alone I'm looking for my keys you know and and you know you're you're just trying to find your keys you got to get out you got to get to work the kids moved your keys they moved your phone you can't find your phone and it's just it's crazy when you can't it's irritating those are the small irritations and sometimes we have major irritations Frustration is not a pleasant emotion. But I want to let you know something. Jesus will use frustration to build your character. Here are some inappropriate ways that we use to handle frustration. Sometimes when we get frustrated, some people, I don't maybe not in here, but maybe some people get aggressive. They begin to attack someone or something either physically or verbally. Or both. Sometimes you just do both. You get mad and you just start, you know. I've known some, some men and some women to begin to hit the wall. They hit, put their hands through uh, windows, through mirrors. They get so angry. And then they start verbally just like letting it out to that person. Brrr. We get aggressive. Sometimes it's not that physical. You know how we, we can even get aggressive? By gossiping, by throwing little digs. Oh, I thought you didn't have any money, but you went where? Oh, that's a little dig, in case you didn't know that. Or sometimes we can make a you know a little remark like, oh, I, I thought you had your hair done. Oh, oh, I'm sorry. Is that what they did? little things. We think, oh, that's no big thing. Those are digs. Some people, when they get frustrated, they even resort to swearing. They let little words just come out of their mouth. And I shared this many, many times. My dad taught me since I was a young girl that if I had to resort to swearing, I lost the battle. And my character... In my personality, I never wanted to lose. Never. Anyone like that with me? You just never want to lose? I never wanted to lose. So that meant I could never cuss. My dad knew what he was doing. He tricked me. He tricked me. This was even when I, I didn't know the Lord, but he tricked me because I never cussed. Never cussed. Do I say that verbally? In my head. In my head. But I never let a cuss word come out of my mouth. All of the years that I walked with the Lord and without the Lord. Because I never wanted to lose. But some people resort to to swearing. Some resort to what they used to do. You break things. You throw things. There's some women that they get mad, they go into the dishes, and they just start throwing dishes. Bam! They slam doors. They throw all the clothes out. I mean, they get crazy. Some guys go in and they just, they go bananas. They throw everything out because you're frustrated. That's what happens to little kids. They get frustrated. What do they do? They go to their toys. They see mom throwing dishes. They see dad throwing tools and throwing stuff all around. So what do the kids do? Like, oh, okay, I'm frustrated. What do I do? Okay, I'm going to throw my toys. There's G.I. Joe. There's my Barbie. There, and they, they do exactly what you do, but they do it on a smaller scale. Some other ways that we handle frustration is when we revert to how we used to deal with things. Like, when we were little, we used to have temper tantrums. Or maybe we used to pout. We used to get mad. And whenever we did that, mom would come, what's wrong? Or daddy would come, what's wrong with my little girl? Mama didn't give me ice cream. Come on, let me give you some ice cream. No, mom, forget. Just be quiet. She's going to get ice cream. And there are parents who do that. I know, because my husband used to do that. I used to discipline my children, and they knew how to pout. They knew how to throw that little bottom lip out. They also knew how to have a temper tantrum. When they, the, My kids all tried temper tantrums one time, just one time. That was the only time they ever tried it, because it didn't work. Just did not work. But what happens is that we get older, And since it worked as a child, our little temper tantrums, or they worked, the pout worked, we think, well, that's the only way for me to get my way, so I'm just going to do the same thing I did when I was a kid. And there you are, you're a grown adult, married, and people are looking at you like, why is her, why is she sticking out her big lip? And you're just waiting for somebody to come, and then nobody comes, and you get frustrated. Or you throw a little temper tantrum. I don't want to do that. When you did that when you were a kid, your parents let you do it, but now you're married. And you go, I don't want to do that. All right, well, I'm still going to go. And you're like, it doesn't work. No, because that's just your frustration, trying to regress back to how you used to be. Don't work when you get older. Sometimes... You get frustrated, and you just you give up. You get apathetic. You just don't care anymore. And that's exactly the frame of mind that the enemy wants us to get to, where you just don't care. I don't care. I don't care what they say. I don't care what they do. I don't care. I just don't care. And you just give up in your heart, in your spirit, in your attitude, in your mind. I don't care. So what? Sometimes, these are all different ways that we handle frustration. Sometimes we just get negative. Everything is negative. We think negative. We talk negative. We act negative. Everything about it, our life is negative. When we have so much to be grateful for, so much to be thankful for, we have a positive, faith-filled Bible with full of promises, and we just pick the negative negative ones do you know that the way you think is how you're going to be the bible says that whatsoever a man or woman thinks that's how you're going to be if you think negative you will be negative you will be you'll act negative you'll talk negative negative. and let me tell you this don't invite god to your pity party he doesn't attend pity parties neither do i don't invite me You know, I try to throw out invites to mine. Nobody comes to mine, so I'm not going to yours either. You didn't invite. I'm not inviting you. You're not inviting me. No, don't go. If you allow yourself to be negative, you'll allow yourself to get to the point where you have no hope. Another way that we deal with frustration is through repression, which means that we just kind of block out the problem. Just, we just kind of hope the problem will go away all by itself. And there are some people who will, they get involved in drugs, they get involved in alcohol, they get involved with food, they get involved in music, they get involved with the TV, they get involved in the computer, whatever it is. But something that will make this problem go away, I don't want to deal with it right now. So I'm just going to put on my iPod and just zone. I'm just going to put on the TV and click. And you're there clicking, clicking, clicking. One hour, two hours, three hours, five hours, six hours. Oops, it's 3 o'clock in the morning. Oops. Got to go to work in three hours. Oh, You just wanted your problem to go away. You didn't want to think about it. If you just do something else, it'll just go away. That's repression. You can't deal with your frustration by just pretending it'll go away. Nor can you withdraw yourself. You cannot distance yourself, either physically, mentally, or psychologically from the situation. Like some people in this congregation, you choose to be loners. You choose to come in late, and you choose to leave early so that you don't have to associate with anybody. Nobody has to know your name. Nobody has to know anything about you. You come and you go, and you just don't want any kind of a relationship. You just want to be a loner. You want to withdraw. You're, you're in the blues. You like the blues. You want to stay in the blues. There are 10 ways to get over the blues. 10 ways to get over the blues. The first way to get over the blues is to help somebody else. And then repeat that nine times. And you'll get out of the blues. Help somebody else. Get out of your blues. So why do we have to have a frustration test? Wouldn't it be easier if we didn't have to have frustration in our life? Yes. But you're not going to answer it. I'll answer for you, because I don't want it. But I do know this. That frustration reveals my need for patience. You know, I was coming to church every day last week. When I was coming this way from my house, every single day I hit traffic, every day. And and I I didn't know what was wrong. And especially last Wednesday, I really hit traffic. And, And I started to feel myself getting frustrated. And then I had to remind myself, wait a minute, wait a minute. I have to know that this delay is from the Lord. I have to accept that this delay is from the Lord. Now, the reason that I got delayed is because first, I forgot my phone. Get in my car, no phone. Got to go back in the house. Then I get my phone, come out. Then I forgot my keys. Got to go back in, get my look all over for my keys, come back. Then I'm in my car, got my keys, got my phone, forgot my purse. Got to go back. And, and, I did, and I didn't know what was wrong with me. I just kept forgetting and going back and forth. So I was frustrated. I was like mad at myself. And then I'm driving, and then I hit traffic. And I'm upset. And then I'm like, I'm happy to talk to myself. You know, when you get frustrated sometimes, you got to talk to yourself. Don't talk out loud. Don't, you know, people will probably think you're nuts. But I'm I'm talking to myself and saying, okay, God, this is for a reason. This is for a purpose. And within, let's say, three to seven minutes, I hit a five-car accident that had spun out on the freeway. And I thought, God, you are so wise. Because if I would have not forgotten my keys, my phone, and my purse, that's where I would have been. I would have been right in the middle of that. And sometimes God has to show us our character deficiencies. He has to remind us that there are certain things that happen for a divine purpose that we need to develop in our patience. We need to develop in our character. We need to develop in our submission to God for how life is treating us. Sometimes our lack of frustration reveals that we really need to trust him a little bit more. That he knows what he's doing. When things don't turn out our way, God knows what he's doing. We also need to know his direction. So how should we handle frustration? Number one, realize that difficulties are inevitable. You are going to have frustration. Job 14.1 says, as for man, the son of woman, his days are short and full of trouble. Frustration, you know what it's called? It's called life, so deal with it. Frustration is called life, so get over it. It's not you. Sometimes we we have days where we think, man, everybody's turned on me. Nobody likes me. At my job, they don't like me. At the place I go to McDonald's, they don't like me. Nobody likes me. It's not just you. It's called life. So stop whining. Stop complaining. It only makes things worse. When you feel sorry for yourself, you wind up surrounding yourself with other people who feel sorry too. And when you have a frustration party, that usually winds up being a depression party. So stop. Frustration can get us to the point where we want to quit, but obedience will keep us from quitting. Peter had already quit. That night when he brought in his boat after fishing all night, He had stopped fishing. He had quit. He was done. He wanted to go home, get something to eat, get some sleep so that he could go out the next night. He had quit for the night. But Jesus said, you got to go back out and do it again. Now, I don't know how many of you sitting here tonight, you might be near the point of quitting. You might be ready to quit your marriage. You might be ready to quit your job. You might be ready to quit school. You might be ready just to to quit on life. This is a poem that I have read many times that I have on a bookmark, and it's called Don't Quit. This is how it goes. When things go wrong, as they sometimes will, when the road you're trudging seems all uphill, when the funds are low and the debts are high, and you want to smile, but you have to sigh. When care is pressing you down a bit, rest if you must, but don't you quit. Life is surprising with its twists and turns, as every one of us sometimes learns. And many a failure turns about when he might have won, had he stuck it out. Don't give up. When the pace seems slow, you may succeed with another blow. Success is failure turned inside out, the silver tint of the clouds of doubt. And you can never tell how close you are. It may be near when it seems so far. So stick to the fight when your hardest hit. It's when things seem worst that you must not quit. Anyone who has ever done anything has experienced frustration. And it gets difficult. If you're a successful businessman, a politician, an athlete, an inventor, a pastor, a movie star, a writer, you will know frustration. Did you know that during its first year of business, the Coca-Cola company only sold 400 Cokes in a year? When it first started, 400 Cokes in one year. Dr. Seuss's first children's book, which is called And to Think That I Saw It on Mulberry Street, was rejected by 27 publishers. The 28th publisher that Dr. Seuss approached sold six million copies of that book. Chicken Soup for the Soul was turned down by 33 publishers, the 34th publisher sold over 7 million copies in 20 different languages. Thomas Edison tried 2,200 different elements before he found the right element to make the incandescent light bulb. He said, I don't call it a failure, I call it an education. Now I know 200 ways that don't work. There is not one large church in the world that started out as a large church. It started out a small church, and it kept growing because they did the right things at the right time over a long period of time. I know that God is doing something in this church and in your lives. But you got to persevere. You can't quit. You got to hang in there. You have to learn how to encourage yourself in the Lord. You got to be able to pick yourself up and say, you know what? I can do this. I can do this. I can go on. Does everything look bleak? Yes. Does everything look like it's not going to turn out? Yes. Does everything look like every door is slammed? Yes. But you know what? I can do this. I can do this. You got to learn how to persevere, you got to learn how to not quit we're in prayer where there is much prayer there is much power where there is little prayer there is little power and when there's no prayer there is no power we got to get prayed up we have to learn how to evangelize to spread the gospel we need to be able to get out there and share life share hope we need to be able to follow up on people there are people that you know that are not here, that you need to call. You need to go over their house. You need to encourage them. Maybe they got discouraged. Maybe they got frustrated. Maybe they felt like quitting. And you need to be able to go over there and say, hey, what's up? Or else go like, like the guys go, what's up? what's up? And be able to help them and encourage them. Remember, whatever frustration you're going through right now, and I I really don't know what it is, but whatever frustration you're going through right now, I will guarantee you this it's going to pass. It's going to pass, no matter what it is. But how we handle frustrations shows us how big or how small our character is. We need to be able to withstand frustration, we need to be able to stand on the promises of God. We need to be able to hear God's voice because the Lord will move us from frustration to fullness. When Peter listened and obeyed the Lord, To go out one more time, to go out even though he was tired, even though he was sleepy, even though he was probably hungry, even though he was frustrated. He goes, do it one more time. And that is where he received his blessing. That is where he went from frustration to fullness. That is where he knew that he knew that he could keep on going no matter what. He was transformed from a frustrated fisherman to a fool. Fishermen, full fullness is to be shared because that's exactly what happened when peter's boat got so filled the bible says that he called his friends god had just told him jesus had just told him you're going to become a fisher of men and immediately he was already there because his boat got filled and he already called his friends gotta come help me come on you guys get in on this all my friends, come on, and they brought another boat, and that got filled too. He was already fishing for men. Are you frustrated tonight? there's always going to be some frustration, but i i I can tell you that there's always, always going to be great and precious promises. I have to remind you, you know that when when i was uh, when I was married, I had a big picture frame over our mantle. And it said, the Lord God says, it's not by power nor by might, but by my spirit, says the Lord. And that was my marriage scripture for all of the years that we were married. That it wasn't going to be through my power and it wasn't going to be through my might, but it was going to be through the power of the Holy Spirit that we were going to be able to get through. And that particular scripture serves as a foundation for our frustration when you're frustrated sometimes it's because you want to do it on your own you want to make it happen on your own you may, you want to make see it happen and god says it's not by your power and it's not by your might but it's by my spirit says the lord when he begins something he finishes it he doesn't leave it halfway he doesn't discard it he doesn't throw it away he finishes it. The glory of the latter house will be greater than the former. God wants to turn your frustration into fullness. Stand with me tonight. As your heads are bowed and your eyes are closed, there's some of you tonight, you've been been frustrated. I mean, just so many things have been happening in your life. Or maybe you've been dealing with frustration the only way you know how, the old way. The old way of throwing tantrums, the old way of pouting, the old way of isolating. Maybe you've even become aggressive, and you've been hitting and, and, and gossiping and, and making digs about other people. Maybe you've been swearing. Words have been coming out of your mouth that shouldn't be coming out of your mouth. Maybe you've just been negative you got to learn how to deal with your frustration the way God wants you to deal with it. He wants you to grow. You can't isolate yourself. You can't turn to TV. You can't turn to music. You can't turn to food. You can't turn to pornography. You can't turn to the computer. You can't turn to anything. you got to turn to the Lord. And tonight, if you found yourself maybe not handling frustration the way that you should, or maybe you want to handle it better. Then I'm going to open up the altars for you to come tonight, for you to say, you know what, God, I I need to handle my frustration better than what I've been doing. Come tonight, and I want to pray with you. I want to be able to, to help and help you in prayer that you will be able to deal with your frustration differently, in a better way, in a positive way. Not in a negative way, not in a hurtful way, not in a way that will bring dishonor to the Lord, but in a positive way. He wants to get the glory for your life. He wants glory in your life. And he can do that when you just say, Lord, change me. Those of you who are here at the altar, just stretch out your hands to the Lord and just ask him to come and help you to, Lord, I to change. You my change the way that you deal with your frustration. I give you soul. If I could have others come and pray for them. Come behind him, altar workers. Live for you.